0: Good evening and welcome to another episode of That's Truth here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. I'm Nathan Owens. I'm glad that you are listening this evening. Sitting across the desk from me to answer your questions, as usual, is Pastor Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. Uh,
1: Good evening, Brother Nathan, and good evening to those who might be listening to the program. Thank you so much for allowing us to be in your home.
0: There are a number of ways that you can interact with us. It is a live interactive program. You can call and be put live on the air by calling 1-268-462-7420. 1-268-462-7420. 1 We'll put you live on the air. Or you can WhatsApp or text your question to 1 268 1454. Or you can email us your question at CRLThatstruth.com. At gmail.com. All one word, no space, no apostrophe. C-R-L-T-H-A-T-S-T-R-U-T-H at gmail.com. And the final way that you can communicate with us and join us on the program tonight is through Facebook. Go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page. Click on the Facebook Live video feed. And then right there on your device, while you listen to the program, watch behind the scenes, you can comment your questions, your concerns, and your suggested future topics so that we can discuss them in a future episode or answer your questions even this evening as they are asked. Pastor, we have two questions that have come in since last week's episode. We're going to jump on those And then return to our topic that we began last week. First one comes from Antigua. Good evening, Pastor Murphy. Can you please explain the verse Job 5.23? And that verse reads, For thou shalt be in league with the stones of the field, and the beasts of the field shall be at peace with thee.
1: Um, that's one of the very unusual verses. I think any person who reads that for the first time is kind of shocked. What, what can that mean? Um, I did some research on it, and uh, there are several interpretations, but there's one that appeals to me that I think is perhaps the best interpretation. Uh, the, the only thing I'd like to say, you should read verse 22 and verse 23 because they're related Can you read verse 22?
0: Yeah, verse 22 says, At destruction and famine thou shalt laugh, neither shalt thou be afraid of the beast of the earth.
1: Right, and then it talks about, um, for you should be in league. Read verse 23.
0: For thou shalt be in league with the stones of the field, and the beast of the field shall be at peace with thee.
1: Yeah, what? It's suggested here that this is a Hebrew idiomatic expression. And when it says in verse 23 that uh, the stones, or you'll be in league with the stones, it's a very picturesque uh, um, um, expression. Uh, when we think of something in league, we think of somebody, Some, um, um, if you're in league with a, a person or in league with an institution, it means that... Um, it kind of works with you. You couldn't coordinate it with them. And what it's saying there basically is that um, the field in which you are going to plow or you're going to plant your stuff, etc., etc., the uh it is saying that you would not have this variety of stones that would interrupt your capacity to to do agriculture. Basically, that's why I said if you look at verse number twenty-two. At uh, the destruction of uh, famine, read that, please.
0: At destruction and famine thou shalt laugh.
1: Right. The first section of chapter, verse 21, 22, first section goes with the first section of verse 23. And the second section of verse 22 goes with verse uh, uh, 23. In order to they, what you call a alternate uh, parallelism. And what is basically saying that uh, you're going to not face famine because the agricultural uh, ground that you're going to use, it's as though, and though it's as though the, the, the rocks favor you, they're not going to be there to interrupt you, so you can't produce any abundance of crop. And the other one, it talks about the. Um, about the, uh, the Living creatures yeah. In the earth Notice it says And the beast shall be At peace with you So you told them a parallel uh, You're not going to face The danger of wild beasts And you're not going to have the the, the the intrusion Of a lot of stones uh, That are going to Impede your capacity To produce So that when the famine comes You're going to have abundance But the idea of league If something is in league with you Something is friendly towards you And that's the expression It's being It's a very picturesque language that's used within the Hebrew language But um that is exactly I think the best interpretation, so it has to do basically that when you do farming, you're not going to have all these rocks. It's as though the rocks agree with you, and they therefore they're not they're not gonna be part of the interruption and remember that Job was written in Arabia. And if you know anything about rabies, it's a lot of desert and stone. And uh, the Lord is uh, in this particular passage talking about you're going to have favorable farming conditions to produce products so that you're not going to go into famine. And again, the beasts are going to be like your friends, uh, be at peace with you, they're not going to attack you. So it's a protection that God offers and also the provision that God makes so that you have abundance as opposed to uh, facing famine.
0: Thank you to the individual who sent in that question. Very pertinent. And thank you, Pastor, for answering that. Pastor, we have a individual from Antigua who has called and asked me to pass along this question to you. He was in the hospital, and he saw a heavenly figure, thinking it to be Jesus or Mary. Is it possible for him to literally see a heavenly figure?
1: Well, I, I don't doubt that people have seen things. I, I, there's no question about that. I think at one time, Martin Luther, the devil was so real. He thought he saw the devil and he threw an ink pot at him. So I don't think that there's it, there's any impossibility that a person, uh, the Lord, can appear to somebody or an angel can appear to somebody. Uh, and I can't say to you what supernatural being, uh, if you really saw one. Uh, all I would say to uh, Mr.
0: Yeah, Codrington.
1: Codrington is that, uh, you know, you're very regular calling into the program. And I've emphasized this, uh, and I like to say this, I think you're searching for truth. I think if you uh, would show as much uh, interest in Christ as opposed to keep mentioning Mary all the time, every conversation you have on the thing is Mary. I think that's a, a real problem that you have. As a matter of fact, could I ask you to do one study for me? Go into any of the epistles, from leave out the gospels and going to any epistles you'll never find that mary is once mentioned in any of the epistles after the gospels none whatsoever i think that's very significant So neither john neither paul neither peter neither jude uh, uh none of them basically have ever mentioned uh mary after the event so um all i would say to you you were sick and you said you had this um, supernatural something appeared to you Uh, Make sure that you know Christ as your Savior. And if you know Christ as your Savior, um, you really don't have any major issue to worry about in terms of your sickness or something getting uh, even worse than that. The important thing is to know Christ as your Savior.
0: You're listening to That's Truth on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. We're here to answer your questions from a biblical perspective. Maybe it's a question about life, the challenges of the culture and the society and ever-changing protocols and all that we live in today in 2021. Maybe it's a question about religion. Maybe it's a question about the Bible. Maybe it's a question about God. Maybe it's a question about your family relationships. We would love to hear your question and answer it. You can call and be put live on the air. and The number to call is one 462- Seventy-four twenty, or you can WhatsApp or text your question to For those who are joining us on Facebook Live at the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page, welcome and you can comment your questions right there on your device and they'll get passed along to Pastor Murphy in a timely manner. Last week, we began a new topic or a new series on some additional cults. Three years ago, we did a series that lasted a couple of months talking about cults and how they were misusing Scripture. But for the next few weeks, we are going to be discussing some additional cults or false religions that distort Christianity. We're starting out with the Unity School of Christianity, which is headquartered in Missouri. Pastor, can you give us a brief summary of what we discussed last week before we jump into new material?
1: Yeah, I think we mentioned that the Unity School of Christianity was started by a couple, uh, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore. Uh, We also indicated that this is a religion that is eclectic. I quoted um, from Charles Fillmore, and let me quote again what he said. He said, unity is devoted to the spiritualization of humanity. No, it's not about saving humanity or bringing humanity to Christ. It's about spiritualizing humanity. And then he went on to say it's an independent point, uh, religion, uh, which takes the best from all other religions, so it's an eclectic form of religion that borrows ideas from different religious groups. Uh, so it, it, it's, um, you know, that that's basically the philosophy behind it. We pointed out also that um, it was started by the uh, wife who um, was a school teacher. As a result of her school teaching, uh, she came under the influence of what I call transcendental uh, philosophy, And she became so enamored with this philosophy that she actually named her two sons after the leading proponents of this uh, transcendental philosophy, a guy called Ralph Waldo Emerson and also James Russell Lowell. Uh, So she borrowed the idea uh, of of that particular movement. We also talk about the fact that um, she went on and she borrowed from Christian science. And became a member of Christian Science Made her husband a member of Christian Science And then they got away from Christian Science Because Christian Science didn't believe that matter is real But the Fillmore's believed that matter was real And that was where they split between them and Christian Science And then the other element that we talked about Is that he, uh, Mr. Fillmore Dallied in spiritism Which had to do with communicating with the dead And... um, the spirits of ascending masters, etc., trying to get information, uh, he, he got involved in that. And later on, uh, when they had the Columbian Expo in Chicago, uh, he came into contact with uh, Vivi uh, Kananda, uh, who was a, a swami uh he introduced him to yoga and uh transcendental meditation also introduced him to um inc- reincarnation he borrowed those elements and, and kind of added those also to the uh, unity, uh um, unity belief and then we talked about new thought remember that um the filmode's first uh publication was called modern thought then later on they changed it the to christian Science thought, and then Mary Baker, who was head of Christian Science, complained that they were stealing from her the name, and so the other they named the the magazine Thought. Uh, But basically, uh, New Thought is the idea that um, you know is going beyond the phenomenal world, going into the the what is called the higher conscious world and believe in in human sufficiency and also that man has a divine element within him all men have that and the problem with us today is that we don't know who we are and we need to discover this divine element within us so those were the strains that we talked about that um, that act form the foundation of the uh, the movement itself
0: now they have christian attached to their name and i Remember when we studied a number of cults, a lot of them claim to be Christian, but end up distorting Scripture. When you actually get down to their beliefs, how do they compare to true Christianity?
1: Well, it doesn't matter how large a movement would be or how charismatic a personality is. Uh, That's not what should be the criteria by which we associate with a group or become part of it. What really matters is how does that person's belief system align with the biblical truth that we find in Scripture. The standard by which we judge what is right and what is wrong, what is scriptural and what is unbiblical, uh, what is of God and what is not of God, is what that person teaches um, in relation to biblical truth. And so when you look at what these uh, Unity School of Christianity teaches in relation to the fundamental doctrines like the, the Bible, what is it believable about the Bible, what does it believe about god the trinity what does it believe about the deity of christ the atonement what does it believe about salvation and the resurrection the holy spirit and sin those are the fundamentals basically and when you examine the movement and uh, see what they believe in relation to these doctrines we find that they are cannot be classified as a true authentic biblical uh, religion it's a false cult, and it is something that every Christian should reject. Reject. Let's talk about, uh, if I may, Nathan, let's talk about the um, the authority of Scripture. Uh, everybody uh, that believes in Christianity know that the Bible is inspired by God. We know it's infallible, it's inerrant. Uh, we know that it's the standard by which we practice our faith and the belief system that we hold to. When you look at how Unity School of Christianity views the Bible, uh, it is clear that they do not take um, this same biblical view uh, that's presented in the Scriptures. For example, um, they uh, devalue the authority of the Scripture, and the reason why they do that is because they put the Bible on par with other uh, groups. They don't think that the Bible is something exclusive and uh, something that is uh, uh, inspired above other writings. They believe that in other uh, writings there are truths as well that are on par with Christianity, and therefore the Bible is just one of those other books, uh, scriptural books. Um, If I might just quote one or two references uh, that, that, that they've said, uh, they said these words, and I quote, spiritual principle is embodied in sacred books of the world's living religions. So it's not just embodied in scripture alone. There are other w- living religions that also include this, this spiritual principle. And I want to quote again. He said, other scriptures such as Zen, Avesta, the Upanishads, uh, the teaching of Buddha, the Quran, uh, and the writings of Confucius, contain expressions of eminent spiritual truth. So they're not making any distinction between the Bible and these other um, false writings. Uh, They don't see anything unique about the Bible. Uh, the Bible is just on par with these other um, scriptures from these other different religions. So, whether it be the Hindu religion and Tao religion, or whether it be Confucius or Buddha, um, as far as they're concerned, uh, those other writings also contain scripture that is of equal value uh, as the Bible itself. So, that is a devaluation of the scriptures. The second thing is that they downgrade the importance of um, scripture in, a, in the believer's life. Uh, I don't want want to quote here. Scripture may be satisfactory authority for those who are not themselves in direct contact with the Lord. So there's a higher plane of Christianity that a believer can reach, that he is in com- com- direct contact with God, and the believer who uses the Bible to be in contact with God is an inferior believer. Wow! So you don't need the Bible, really. And if you do have to use the Bible, it means that you haven't come to the second level, which is direct without going through the Scriptures. So they're trying to know God outside the Bible itself, outside biblical truth and uh, so they are put in a two-tier type of christianity one where a believer needs the bible but one where a person goes beyond the bible and has a, he- a higher um, consciousness where they direct contact with god the other thing is I i mentioned it they, they start the word and they do that because if you were to read some of the interpretation that they gave the scripture um, they allegorize the bible and they uh, spiritualize the bible uh, and they have a flawed hermeneutic, so that when they interpret the Bible, they always come to a false uh, interpretation because the method that is used um, does not take into consideration the grammar, the historical background, the geographical background, the social background, the cultural background. It doesn't take uh, in consideration of those type of matters. What matters to them is to spiritualize the Scripture, and uh, that leads to false interpretation. So the the, the, the way they treat the Bible. Is contrary to how uh, a believer would treat the Bible. Uh, we we know God through His Word, uh, and we become sanctified through the Word. Uh, that's what the Bible says. Now you're clean through the Word which has spoken unto you. We're not going to go through what the Bible can do in our lives, but clearly, uh, when you have a movement that does not believe in the Bible as a means of getting to know God. And when it uh, puts the Bible on par with other uh, religious books and religious writings, um, it is clear that these people are not authentic Christians, and uh, believers should not participate or be part of this kind of a movement.
0: Pastor, to put the Bible on par with other so-called holy books, is that not a contradiction of logic? Because the Bible claims to be exclusive, and the claims in Scripture exclude those other religions so how can someone combine those?
1: Well again you've got to go back to, especially with this kind of a person you've got a person who is into transcendental thought. Then they went into Christian science. Remember uh, Mary Baker, Eddie, okay. she combined what she called mind science with Scripture. So a lot of the ideas that you find in, in unity are borrowed from Christian science. So that's why they tried to mingle. Uh, the Eddie Baker that wrote the um, Christian science uh, text, basically, um, she blended these type of things together. So when you come out of that movement and you didn't um, – but you know, she was a method at one time as well. You wonder how she could combine that. But that gives you an idea that I, I, I sometimes wonder uh, what was the motivation for these type of things. To be very honest with you, and remember that the Fillmore family has all the legal rights. Uh, it passed on from them to their son. It's almost like Ellen G. White in the Seventh-day Adventist. All of the all of the material that she had that has copyrights and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and so what happened? You're getting uh, royalties off to these publications. I don't want to put it this way, but I think something is mercenary. Mm-hmm. I think the whole pers- reason behind a lot of these things, quite frankly, is, is a money motive behind it. There cannot be any... Uh, In my judgment, any real authentic searching of God To ignore the Bible and come up with something like this uh, If it is about finding God and knowing about God I think there's something more to it So I think think that uh, there's a mercenary motive behind it But also religious confusion Because, you know, you've got five different strains That you have combined here I mean, how can you believe in the Bible And believe in reincarnation? Right. I mean the Bible Is very clear it is not, It's not just resurrection Not reincarnation So you've got people That might be Spiritually deluded as well We can't exclude that But I also think There's a mercy And an element In this kind of thing Because it's a family Enterprise that is Passed on from the Mother and the father, and and who hasn't known that they've died at, at their children, and they carry on this enterprise. So I think there's a mercenary motive, but I also think there's a spiritual delusion.
0: If you've just tuned in, the name of the program is That's Truth. It is a live program on Tuesday evenings from seven thirty until. 9 p.m. We still have over an hour left in the program, so go ahead and encourage others to tune in on 11:60 a.m. 92.3 FM or online at www.radiolighthouse.org. You also can join us during this program on Facebook Live. Go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page and you can comment your questions or your concerns right there on your device and they'll get passed along to Pastor Murphy in a timely manner. If you have a question and you would like to ask it by calling live on the air, the phone line is open, available, and awaiting your call. And the number to call is one 462 7420 If you'd rather not speak live on the air but you still have a question and you want to send it in, you can send it in via WhatsApp or text message. one 782 I'll give you that WhatsApp number again 268 782 1454. If it's a question that you don't want in any way traced back to you, just make a comment in at the beginning or the end of the question, and we will not even state where it, the question is coming from. We won't even say whether it's coming from the Caribbean. We've received questions from Australia, from Europe, I believe even from part of Russia at one time. No matter where you're listening to the program Welcome, and we are honored that you have taken time out of your Tuesday evening to join us here on the program. We're talking about the Unity Church and specifically comparing their beliefs to different key doctrinal uh, Christian beliefs. Pastor, you were talking about Scripture. Anything else you want to mention before you move on?
1: Uh, I think think I've probably said enough about that. I think any person who is a believer listening to the program and is aware that a person puts Christianity and put the biblical doctrines on par with Zen uh, teaching or with um, the Vedas or the Upanishads or Confucius or Buddha would recognize that this is a false religion outright. Um, there's no question about that.
0: What about the uh, doctrine or the beliefs of God
1: Well, you know, we, again, if you're off on the scriptures, you're obviously going to be off on other biblical doctrines as well. And it's not surprising that when it comes to the concept of God, Trinity does not believe in a personal God. They believe God is an impersonal principle. They also believe in a pantheistic God, that uh, God is everything and everything is God. And they also believe in Father-Mother God, which is a very funny uh, expression and uh by the way there's a group here in in Antigua now that is promoting um uh, that religion that God is a father and a mother uh, It's a new, new um, Missionaries here mm. uh, But Robert was telling me about them I'm going to investigate it I haven't had a chance to look at it But I'm surprised it will send people All the way from the States To come here to teach us That it's a father, mother, God I mean <laughs> This is th- We're coming to a point Of religious craziness And how how in the world That you can believe That that's a unique teaching A unique doctrine That needs to be uh, Somehow uh, propagated in, in, Onto the end of the world But this is their mission Uh, to give this concept of God. But when it comes to this um, Unity School of Christianity, they do not view God like the Christians teach, that there's a triune God where there's one substance or one subsistence, and uh, uh, you've got um, three persons. Uh, That's the biblical doctrine. Uh, What they teach, and I want to quote so that nobody misunderstands what I'm saying, I want to just quote what they teach on this matter uh, when it comes to uh, to God. I'm going to quote here from um, the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary that is published by Unity School of Christianity. Uh, They said, The Father is principle, the Son is that principle revealed in the creative plan. The Holy Spirit is the executive power of both the Father and the Son carrying out the plan. So notice that the Father is a principle the Son is a principle, the Holy Spirit is the power, basically. These are impersonal forces, these are not uh, personal beings. You will find also that when you when I quote some other quotations, they uh, contradict themselves. At one time, they're going to call out a personal God and a personal Father, but another time, He's a principle. And that's the confusion when you try to mingle. Um, Uh, mind sciences with the Bible. You you, you get confused, and sometimes you even write things that are totally confusing. Uh, Let me give you another quote uh, from them. Uh, God is not a person having life, intelligence, love, power. God is that invisible, intangible, but very real something we call life. God is perfect love and infinite power. Uh, God is the total of these, the total of all good whether manifested or unmanifested. Now, that is totally confusion. But notice what it says that God is that uh, very real something uh, we call life. They can't define God, uh, and they're using a lot of nebulous terms. And again, that is part of the confusion when you mix in Christianity, Bible, with these mind sciences. Uh, Let me give you another quotation.
0: At the end of that quote you read, they said whether manifested or not manifested. I mean, that's just an open slate of, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're we're not sure what God is.
1: Yeah, that that's it's, it's you know it's let me give you another one. Drop from your mind the belief that God is in any way separated from you, that He uh, occupies a former space outside of you. This is where the pantheism comes in now. See, that because God is this uh, impersonal principle. You also are part of that impersonal principle. You don't know it yet. And your whole purpose in life is to find how you can connect with this impersonal principle. Your problem uh, and my problem is not that we... we, we our sinful problem is that we're ignorant. And we have to be enlightened that we have... Later on, we have this Christ consciousness in us that we need to discover. Uh, So the whole idea here really is that uh, God is in you, and God is in everything, and you must not distinguish between um, what is out there and what is within you. It's just that you don't know that. You need to discover that. Uh, Let me give you another uh, quotation here, if I may. To the individual's consciousness, God takes on personality. But as the creative underlying cause of all things, he is a principle, impersonal as expressed in each individual. Get this far. He becomes personal to you, to that one, a personal, loving, all-forgiving father-mother. Now, that says absolutely nothing. (laughs) But this is a realm of confusion that you find when you come to these kind of cults. They're trying to maintain some element of Christianity but they're trying to merge this uh, mind science, and all they end up with is talking a lot of poppycock, a lot of nonsense, etc. Uh, and if um, nonsense is any indication of uh, learning this, well, this would be something that is learned. But to me, it is total nonsense and total foolishness, and I don't know why people would ever embrace a religion like this with this kind of nonsense being said. But it's attractive. Uh, when I was living in um, All Saints Road and we had the, the uh, cable television, the slick advertising that Unity would display on some of those things was just amazing. And I I, didn't, I couldn't figure out why in the world would people be attracted to a movement like that. But today, they've got 1.5 million people who follow this, this kind of teaching. Uh, so their concept of the Bible is to devalue the Bible. Their concept of God is total confusion. And let me read one of the... Uh, Uh, quotation here all that any soul can ever need or desire is the infinite father principle uh the great reservoir of unexpressed good notice that i did the great father principle they're trying to convince christianity father with new science principle, so they combine the two of them. But when you ask yourself, what does that mean? Yeah. Nobody knows what that means, right? So you need now to get there. This special group to give you what, how to interpret that. To us, reading that, that is saying nothing that is worth really understanding or even comprehending. Uh, so when you look at all of that, they have a nebulous, distorted view on who God is, and that is contrary to what the Bible tells us. We have a triune God of one substance, three persons uh, in that uh, in, in, in that Godhead, and this God is personal. Uh, he hears, He sees, He knows, He feels, He wills. And he says, I am that I am. He's a cognitive, reflective uh, person who who can identify and realize that he's separate and distinct from everything else. That's the biblical concept of God. But uh, these people quite clearly are confused about this doctrine. And when you're confused about the doctrine of the Bible and the doctrine of God, uh, Christians should stay away from this kind of teaching and this kind of movement.
0: That idea of the father-mother God, I'm sure that it is attractive in the day and age that we live, uh, woke ideas of making sure that uh, no one is sexist, no one is saying that God is a man or a woman. Uh, it's whatever yeah. you want.
1: It falls in line with the feminist agenda, quite frankly. Yeah. And I think you know that there are some Bibles being translated now that are neutering the Bible. Yeah. That you don't speak of He or She; you say you know something else. This is where we got the the apostasy. That the Bible talks about to be falling away before our Lord returns, and uh, it, it just shocks me that. Um, these islands uh, that have such a a solid base on bible truth uh, that these kind of things could attract people to it Uh, it just tells me that uh, we were just holding on to the bible they didn't have any real meaning and uh and i i think that's a tragedy that we've gone away from biblical truth and therefore we're falling to everything that comes that seems attractive and new And um, it's leading us further and further away from the truth.
0: Pastor, we have a WhatsApp message that has come in. Good night. Please enlighten me on Hebrews 9.27. Are the verses the concept of the rapture? And let me read uh, Hebrews 9.27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment.
1: Well, read the verse before.
0: Okay, verse 26 says, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once is in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin and sacrifice of himself.
1: Yeah, that verse is virtually contrasting the once-for-all death of Christ uh, for our behalf. And the fact that our our death itself is is going to happen once, it's not going to be repeated, and that after this it comes to judgment. But this has nothing to do with the rapture. Basically, this is just reminding humanity that there's not going to be a second chance. And uh, just like Christ died once, we're going to die once as well, and it's not going to be something to be repeated. And all we can expect after this judgment, uh, this, uh, this 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 um, death, is going to be judgment. That is where it disproves the doctrine of reincarnation, for example, which tells you that when a man dies, he comes back in another form. Uh, you cannot believe in the resurrection in the Bible and, and embrace reincarnation. Anyone that embraces reincarnation is a person who denies Scripture. Uh, but that has nothing to do with the rapture. There is talking about after we die, we are certainly going to be faced judgment. Now, let me just say this: um, it is very, very clear when you look into the scriptures. There are many uh, judgments that are going to come. Uh, there's going to be judgment, the Great Right Throne judgment. That is every single unsaved person who has ever been born will stand and given an a tongue and their name will not be found written in the last book of life and be cast in the lake of fire this is the judgment seat of Christ where every believer is going to be judged for his works and his deeds and uh, he will be, be given a reward or he will suffer loss of a reward and of course there's the judgment of Israel the Bible talks about that the judgment of Israel and of course there's a judgment of the Gentiles during the tribulation period so there are different types of judgment but this one in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 is it's just showing us that same way Christ died once, death will happen once, and we will have judgment after. It's not not referring to the the, the rapture.
0: Time across the Eastern Caribbean is 8.09. Uh, and we are thankful that you are listening to That's Truth here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. Again, if you have a question, you can call and be put live on the air at 1-268-462-7420. If you'd rather send a WhatsApp or text message, you can contact us or send us a WhatsApp or text to one 268 782 1454 If you are on Facebook, you can go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page, click on the Facebook Live video feed, and you can comment your question right there on your device, and it will get passed along to Pastor Murphy in a timely manner. We are talking about the Unity Church. And, or otherwise known as Unity School of Christianity, and comparing their particular teachings on different doctrines or different topics to that of the Bible or to that of true Christianity, we've talked about Scripture. We've talked about God, Pastor. Anything else you want to mention before we move on? Yeah, I just want to give one
1: other quotation that he. um, This is from their writings called "The True Character of God," and this is published by Unity. This is what it said. Belief in a personal God has retarded the progress of the human race. (laughs) Let me read it again. Belief in a personal God has retarded the progress of the human race. Now, why would any religion uh, call itself and attach the word Christian to it? with that kind of a uh, belief system. They do not believe in a personal God, they believe in an impersonal God. And uh, to say that uh, um, belief in a personal God retards um, humanity, basically, is a slap in the face of biblical truth. And I hope people can see the apostasy of this movement. And uh, if you've got family in it or members in it, it is something that you should encourage them to, to withdraw themselves from.
0: What about uh, Christ? Obviously, if they're askew on their view of God, I'm assuming they continue to be misled uh, when it comes to the person of Christ?
1: Yeah. Well, one of the uh, key factors that defines a cult, basically, is that most cults have a deficient concept of the doctrine of Christ. So you'll find that every major cult, quite frankly, Have some false teaching in relation to Christ, and unity is no different. Uh, The Bible idea of Christ is that He is the eternal Word, in John chapter one verse one, and that He existed, -existed, pre-existed, with the Father. And uh, the Bible also teaches that He took upon Himself the form of a man and became a human being and that is found in the book of philippians unity like all the other mind sciences uh, including new thought and christian science and, and uh, the others as well they divide and separate between jesus and christ they say that jesus was a perfect man in 12 by what is called christ consciousness uh, a consciousness that's present in every single one of us as human beings but which we need to cultivate and develop. Now, this is this is quite frankly, this is like, this is Gnostic teaching that the man Jesus and the Christ came upon Jesus. Uh, that's Gnostic teaching, and this is basically what what I say to you that there's nothing new under the sky when it comes to these doctrines. Uh, they're very, very ancient in their teaching, and when they're presented in, in in modern times, people think that they're new, but they're not new. But this is uh, uh, really drawing a distinction between Jesus and Christ. Let me just quote a few verses, a uh, few um, words from their book itself, the Unity Metaphysical Bible Dictionary published by Unity. They said, "Christ is the only begotten Son of God, with one complete idea of." the perfect man and divine mind so here is what they saying that christ is a combination of the perfect man but also divine mind which is the, the consciousness this is what christ was they said christ or our perfect man idea existed eternally in the divine mind uh is the true spirit and the higher self of every individual so they're saying that christ is not eternal a separate person from the father but he the concept of christ was in god's mind from eternity So Christ is eternal, not as a person, but eternal as a concept in God's mind. That same concept of Christ is placed in your mind, and what you have to do is to develop to come to that understanding the same consciousness Christ had you have as well what made Christ a perfect man is that he came to this awareness and this understanding that being a man he could become perfect by developing this Christ consciousness so he he developed it so your job right now is yours and my job is to become like Christ and develop this Christ consciousness and we become like him so you've got this false teaching again and um, again as I pointed out to you it's not something new it goes back to Gnosticism where they separated between Jesus. The Gnostic thought that Jesus Christ did not die on the cross. Uh, what happened quite frankly is that the man Jesus died on the cross, but just before he died, the Christ left him and went back to this higher consciousness. Uh, and this concept needs to be borrowed from these um, the, this cultic group. so whether we uh, understand it or not. Uh, They're also wrong on this doctrine of Christ, and they're offering this false teaching about Christ, and it's not in any way in accord to what the Bible teaches, that Christ is a person, a personal being. He's an eternal person. He became a human being. He became a servant. And in Philippians it says, He did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a man, and became obedient unto death. So Christ is the God-man. He's a hundred percent god he's a hundred percent man he's not uh he's not uh, it, it's, and there's one person we're dealing with here he's not there's no distinction between jesus and the christ that's why james says, J- john says uh try every spirit uh that church is antichrist not confess that Jesus Christ is coming to flesh so when you make a distinction between jesus and christ uh it is part in gnostic teaching and clearly these people have embraced that kind of teaching but that's that's what um that was, that's what they believe about Christ.
0: Pastor, we have a caller from Antigua. Thank you for calling and go ahead with your question, please. Hi, hey, Mr.
2: Williams. How are you doing, sir?
0: Doing well. Yeah, Pastor, uh, I have two questions about
2: it. It's in Matthew chapter
0: 17.
2: Okay, what's that? Verse 5 to verse 9, and then verse 24 to 27. The disciple, and um, you must to read it for me
1: then. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Matthew 17, yes. verse 5 to 9. Yes. Okay, let me read those and then I'll get the other reference from you. Matthew 17, 5 says, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed shadowed them and behold a voice out of the cloud which said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased hear ye him and when the disciples heard it they fell on their face and were sore afraid and jesus came and touched them and said arise be not afraid and when they lifted up their eyes they saw no man save jesus only in verse 9 And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of God be risen again from the dead. Brother Williams, what were the other references? Uh, 24 to 25 to 27.
2: 24 to 27.
0: Yeah. Okay. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? He saith, Yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute, of their own children or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, Of strangers, Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. Go thou to the sea, and cast a hook, and take up the fish that cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money, take that, and give it unto them for me and thee.
1: Yeah. I'm not too sure exp- what specific um, you need to know about this particular passage. The, the last one there very quickly basically is the idea of rendering to Caesar the things that Caesar the things of God things of God, and uh, this is where a believer is uh, to pay taxes. Now, because the land of Israel belonged, it belonged to the Lord. It, uh, it was given to, to Israel basically, and they were sons of the land, so they shouldn't really have to pay the taxes. But the, because they're now under the the Roman law and uh, Roman rule, rather than offend the Gentile authorities uh he says you know take this money and just go and pay the taxes basically i think it's encouraging people to recognize that um within our society even though we are christians we may have certain we might feel we have certain rights uh that belong to us uh sometimes so as not to offend uh, we should do the proper thing and clearly um uh, we should pay taxes uh, well,
2: uh, Pastor, continue? Sure. uh where did that thing come in when the fish where, what reference is that
0: uh, okay. 17, uh, 27 He says to go cast a hook. Yeah. Is is that the reference you were looking for?
2: Yes, and 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 the another one with when the disciple Peter and John and I went up with Jesus Christ and they see Moses and Elijah. Did they yeah. did discuss that them that they with Elisha would
1: be up here, you know, on the mountain together with them,
2: with I didn't hear that question. Would did what? If he, he discussed it with, with the disciples before they, they went up on the mountain, because how Peter could have known is Elisha and Moses had appeared?
1: Well, you've got to look at the parallel passage. There, there I think there are three different parallel passages that deal with the same thing, among the Mount of Transfiguration. What is, what is very clear that uh, the Lord went up into the mountain, and He was transfigured before them. And we're told that uh, His the light went through it as though it did did, did their son, Quite frankly, it was His gl- uh, His glory that was shining through to Him. And uh, and that is when the Father spoke and said, "No, this my beloved Son, hear them." But you had Moses and you had Elijah discussing the matter of our Lord's decease, the death of our Lord. Uh, so I'm not too sure exactly what. Specifically, want to know about that. I mean, uh, well,
2: w- w- what I wanted to know is that as when Peter and them um, Peter say, as they build three terminal, one for Moses, one for Jesus, and one for Elijah, yeah. did he discuss about Elijah and Moses before? The so that Peter and them could recognize Moses and Elijah.
1: Well, we're not given the details, but clearly they recognized who they were. Um, whether or not uh, what conversation went on between them before this particular event i don't know but uh it is very clear the disciples understood that this was uh moses and it was elijah uh, the thing here is that they felt so comfortable with this scene that they wanted to build a tabernacle or build tents to remain up there and our, and our lord said you know this is my beloved son here he is. in other words moses and elijah are not on par with my son what you have to do is to focus on my son moses brought the law elijah represented the prophets But here is my final word to humankind, which is my son. So don't put Moses and Elijah on the same par uh, with my son. Hear my son. uh, Hear what he has to say. So it's moving the focus away from Moses and Elijah. I, I suppose that if you saw Moses and Elijah and I saw them and we were able to recognize them, I suppose that there's something special about these two people. And we could dote after them. But our Lord is uh, Father is saying, listen, you know, your focus need to be on the Christ, my my Son, my final voice to humanity, and uh, they are just there to discuss the matter about his death, etc. So don't focus on them; you focus on me, uh, focus on my Son. Uh,
2: so, and when when he talk about that, Elijah will come and turn the children head to the uh-huh. parents and things, and he say Elijah come already, and they don't even know.
1: Yeah, and he, so, and he points out that the Elijah that came was John the Baptist. John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. Remember, uh, if you check the description of John in the Gospels and the Egyptian of Elijah in the Old Testament, you'll find that both wore um, certain clothing and both ate honey. And uh, so, by the way, the reincarnationists say that uh, Elijah was reincarnated in John the Baptist. But our Lord doesn't point that out. He's saying, you know, the Elijah that I promised you would come, uh, is John the Baptist? He has come in the spirit of Elijah. Uh, one crying in the wilderness preaching the word. So um, I don't know if that helps. And what was the other one? Matthew chapter seventeen. Yeah,
2: yeah, all the same. Yeah, Matthew chapter seventeen is the uh, one is the fish between uh, Oh, okay, With okay.
1: the hook and Yeah, yeah. But well, again, that shows you that Christ is divine. I mean, how would you know if you were not mm. if you were not deity, if you were not God? How would you know what fish should be there? How would you know? And when did the fish get the coin in his mouth? At the same time, you had to be completely omniscient. You had to know everything that you could say to him. Go a particular place. You'll find the fish. Open his mouth. You'll get this coin. Take this coin. And pay it to the taxes. That shows you the deity of Christ manifesting uh, his deity.
2: Okay. All right. That makes
1: sense. Yeah.
0: All right. And
2: thank you.
1: And uh, Yes. Thank you. And say hi to your wife as well. God yes. bless.
2: Okay, okay, then. God bless. <laughs>
0: Good night. Thank you very much for the call, Brother Williams. We appreciate it, and thank you for encouraging others to tune into That's Truth here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. Time across the Eastern Caribbean is 8.24, and we are talking about the Unity School of Christianity and comparing their teachings and their beliefs to that of true Christianity.
1: Yeah. The other thing, uh, Nathan, because... I mentioned before that Christ uh, is divided into Jesus, the man, and this higher consciousness, the Christ consciousness that came upon, uh, that uh, Jesus had, and he developed it to his fullness. This is why Phil Moore could make a statement like this, and I want to read uh, what he wrote on Christian healing by Charles Philmore. He said these words, The difference between Jesus and us is not one of inherent spiritual capacity, but in difference of... Uh, demonstration of it jesus was potentially perfect and he expressed that perfection we are potentially perfect and we have not yet expressed it so the man jesus was able to develop his spirituality to the point where he got this full Christ consciousness in him we have the same Christ consciousness in us but we have not developed it to the same level that Christ did so he's putting he's not making a distinction between Jesus and us quite frankly and the same thing Jesus has accomplished we can accomplish too but we need to develop this 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 con, that's why he can make those kind of statements for example he himself made these words uh, said these words about himself he says I am the only begotten son dwelling in the bosom of the father he said that on page 28 of his book on uh, christian healing he also went on and said i am the christ of god page 29 i am one with the almighty uh, page 29 my perfection is now established uh, in my divinity in my divine mind page 82 now those are the most blasphemous statements mm-hmm. that i can ever comprehend But here is a man espousing a form of religion, a form of Christianity, and virtually uh, demeaning the deity of Christ, and himself elevating himself to that level, that he can speak in the same terms as God spoke of his Son. If that isn't blasphemy, I don't know what is. And that's why I say, if there's any person that you would know, I don't know of any school of unity here in Antigua, I know that we had one in Barbados, and I don't know if there are any others in the Caribbean. But it is a growing movement, and it is something that we need to be aware of. And if you have friends overseas, a lot of Caribbean people have people in America, in, in England, etc. Um, if you're aware that they're involved in this, this uh, Unity School of Christianity, you need to make them a, a, aware of what these people teach and get them out of this particular cult. is a very dangerous cult that has serious repercussions.
0: As you were going through some of their beliefs and talking about that Christ is a thought that started in the mind of of God. God and then we can develop it, I was just thinking I'm so thankful that God made true salvation and true Christianity simple. Yeah, simple that a child can understand. I was getting lost and confused and even frustrated <laughs> trying to follow yeah. as you were reading some of those quotes. Yeah. What is true Christianity? The true, true Christianity is uh, truth about Christ
1: and truth about our own condition. Uh, the Bible teaches very clearly that God made man, man fell, and because of man's fall, man inherited sinful nature. And the Bible says that God reached out to save man and sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Christ paid the price for us on the cross. And what God asks of all of us today is very simple. Understand that we are sinful before God. We need forgiveness and pardon. Therefore, we need to repent of our sins. And we need to put our faith and trust in Christ and what Christ did on the cross. Uh, Saving faith is faith that has Christ as its object. Uh, You you know, a lot of people say, well, do do, do I have enough faith? It's not... The amount of faith you've got is what you put your faith in that saves you. That's the important thing. You know, the Bible talks, little faith, much faith, big Mm -hmm. faith, basically. But if you had the faith of a little mustard seed, he said he'll move the mountain. And it only takes a little bit of faith to to, to save a person, but it is what you put your faith in. And your faith must be placed in Jesus Christ. That's the only way that you can ever have uh, forgiveness of sins, pardon for your iniquity, and you'll have eternal life uh, with Christ in eternity.
0: You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, and we look forward to receiving your questions and answering them from a biblical worldview. You can call us, one 462 7420 The phone line is open, available and waiting for your call. Again, that number again to be put live on the air is 268-462-7420. If you'd rather not speak live on the air, but you'd like to WhatsApp or text your question, you can send it to 1-268-782-1454. So we've talked about Scripture. We've talked about God. We've talked about the deity of Christ. Anything else about Christ you'd like to mention? No, I just think
1: that people uh, need to understand that if you're wrong about Christ, quite frankly, you're wrong about the basic core of Christianity. The the whole essence of Christianity is that the Old Testament points that he's going to come. The New Testament says he has come. And uh, the whole theme of redemption runs from book of Genesis right through to the book of Revelation that God is going to make a provision where the seed of the woman is going to bruise the serpent head and where a person would be able to put their faith and trust in Christ. That's the essence of what the Bible is, is about. The Old Testament traces the entire story of him and then the New Testament picks it up and uh, show you his His coming, his genealogy, uh, his death, his resurrection and the ep- epistles explain what that's all about. It's about saving us and forgiving us. So if you're wrong about Christ, you're wrong about the very core of Christianity, and uh, nobody can be saved who does not believe in Christ and does not put their faith and trust in Christ. There's no salvation in any other person than through Jesus Christ, so that's very, very central. And any time you examine a cult, any kind of cult, one of the key doctrines you must be very, very sure about is what is their position on Christ. If they deny his deity and deny his humanity, They do not have a biblical concept of the Christ of the Bible. And therefore, it's a false apostate system that needs to be rejected by believers.
0: Can you be a born-again Christian on your way to heaven, saved from your sin, and claim deity as a son of God or a daughter of God?
1: I don't see how that's possible. Uh, uh, The Bible, from beginning to end, makes it clear that God is separate from His creation. Uh, You and I will never be God. The biggest lie that was ever told to humanity was in Genesis chapter 3. It's the same lie that's being told today, and that's being believed, that man basically is God, but he doesn't know it, and he has to develop his Godhood. Every single New Age cult, every single Hindu cult, is the same thing. That one day, man will recognize his higher consciousness in himself, and he becomes completely absorbed in this eternal principle of this God consciousness. And, and the Bible makes it very, very clear. That we will never be God. We will always have distinct personalities. Even in heaven, we will have distinct personalities. Uh, we will be like Him in the fact that we have a new nature and we uh, will not have this corruptible body any longer, but we will have our identities. And uh, there's no, ne- never will we lose our personality and lose our identity. Uh, that's why we're going to have resurrection. And that's why all these other cults are now embracing reincarnation because there's no judgment in the future. You go through this karma, 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 until you reach perfection, and then you absorb into this God consciousness. You just disappear completely. Your individuality is gone. Christianity doesn't teach that. we we'll always be individuals. we we'll all be separate from God. So any person that is claiming to be deity uh, clearly is a lost person who does not know the God of the Bible and who will suffer eternal damnation eternally uh, because they've rejected the truth.
0: But doesn't the pa- or pastor, doesn't the Bible teach that I can reach a level where I no longer sin? Isn't that uh, in First John
1: now, what John teaches in that passage, he that is born of God does not sin. Um, that particular verse, any person that's familiar with the Greek language, you know that that verse is written in the linear tense, which is the present tense. And it should read this way. He that is born of God does not habitually practice sin. Okay, That's what it means. Because John also tells us in the First John chapter 1, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So the Bible is not contradicting itself, but is letting know the believer that the person who habitually practices sin uh, is a person who is not born of God. Uh, that's the distinction is made uh, in the Bible. Not that we will ever reach sin- sinless perfection. It's not possible down here when it comes to sinless perfection.
0: I think a natural progression as you, after you talk about the deity of Christ is to move to the atonement, the action of Christ. What does this Unity Church teach about the atonement?
1: Well, could we backtrack yeah. one and, and just talk about sin first? Yeah. And then yeah, we, yeah. we'll talk about the, uh, the atonement. Uh, Unity School of Christianity believes that man's sin is ignorance. That's what it is. Uh, so what you need is enlightenment They don't believe in evil They don't believe in sin They don't believe in pain They don't believe in in death himself If I would to quote some of these uh, Make some quotes here It might seem quite astounding That a person could get away With these kind of statements Let me r- quote a few of them uh, Here is Phil Moore who said I deny that the sin And the omissions of my ancestors Can reflect upon me in any way he does not believe in You have inherited a sinful nature He doesn't believe that Adam's sin Was passed on to his, his uh, pedigree, Quite frankly And again that's a denial of scripture In Adam all sinned Okay We have a sinful nature He denies that, that Anything that uh, his ancestors have done Has actually been passed on to him Basically That's a denial of the biblical doctrine of, of, of sin uh, He said I deny that I am a child of the flesh So what are you then? The Bible makes it quite clear that we are born with a human sinful nature, what we call the flesh. Quite frankly, that's a denial of the Bible. I deny all belief in evil, for God made all that is. Re- God made all that really is, and pronounced it good. So to Him, there's no such thing as evil. Now, there's no such thing as evil. There's no such thing as sin. Right. So the problem with us is that we are. We need enlightenment. To understand that everything that is made, God made it, and God pronounced it good, therefore it is good. It's just that in our darkened understanding, we see things as evil when they're not really evil. So we need to be enlightened to come to that point of Christ consciousness. We realize that everything is of God, and and therefore there's no such thing as evil in the world. By what stretch of imagination can any reasonable person really doubt that there's evil? Yeah. I mean, the Taliban, for example, that everybody's on the news, I mean, they deny women even the right to education. Uh they um their their belief of Sharia law uh is so grievous and atrocious and the things that they do, I mean cutting off people's head, etcetera, etc. I don't think any reasonable person can believe that there's not evil uh on planet Earth. I recently watched a documentary on the Second World War and uh i could not believe the atrocities of the the nazis and the germans i could not believe the german people allowed the kind of brutal uh gassing of of people uh it, it was like reliving something that you you can't believe it really happened that people could reach that level of, of depravity that they don't have any conscience and they can take life as though it it, it doesn't matter There's real evil in this world. And to deny that there's evil, quite frankly, this person must be living on another planet. He also said, I deny that I have inherited disease, sickness, ignorance, or any mental uh, limitation whatsoever. Now, here's it. Is he still alive? (laughs) (laughs) He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. That's like uh, the lady, uh, uh, Mary Baker Eddy, that uh, formed Christian Science as well. She said, there's no such thing as death. But where is she today? The worms have eaten her for food. This is just a delusion, quite frankly, but it's a mind science, to be very honest with you, that's added to Scripture. And uh, how people reach to this level of, uh, in my judgment, um, ignorance and blindness, moral, spiritual, mental blindness, is a great um, wonder to me that you can reach that stage. I can't conceive myself coming to this level of ignorance and now, uh, really believe in it and teaching it as well. But again, we must never underestimate the capacity of human beings to become deluded, and uh, in their teachings, in their doctrines, and their understanding. Because there is such a thing as spiritual blindness. You remember what the Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter four: "The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shine, and that they should believe." See, that gives you an idea of how powerful the devil is that he can blind people to the extent where they can believe uh, even that death doesn't exist and evil doesn't exist. Uh, it's, a, it's a astounding statement to make. I could read some others uh, as well. Uh, he went on to say, Therefore, no such deception as belief in evil can darken my clear understanding of truth. Don't get that. <laughs> Listen to this one. Therefore, no such deception as belief in evil can darken my understanding of truth. He's got it backwards. <laughs> He's got it backward, correct. Exactly backward. Then he went on to say, uh, He said, Pain, sickness, poverty, old age, and death are not real, and they have no power over me. There's nothing in all the universe for me to fear. Lessons in truth written uh, by Unity School of Christianity. Uh, this is contrary to Scripture. The Bible teaches very clearly that there's something called sin. Because there is sin, this is a world that is full of evil. Because there's a world of evil, God has sent His Son to redeem this world, to offer pardon and forgiveness. And that is why we have law, and we have policemen, and we have um, judges uh, to restrain the power of evil, even in a country, and etc. So that's why we, if we didn't have these, if there was no sin, there was no evil, we wouldn't need policemen, we would need law courts. All I'm saying uh, at this point in time, I'm just quoting exactly what these uh, maniacal people believe, uh, but yet it has the attraction where you have 1.5 million people who've embraced it. How can you explain that? The only explanation it is such a thing as spiritual blindness. And uh, the older I get, the more I can understand that this is something quite real, not something imaginary, that people can embrace doctrines and teachings that are so contrary to the Bible, and yet go on glibly as though they are following the truth. The devil has blinded the minds of them that believe not, and he has enough power to do that as well.
0: So if I have a family member or a friend that is involved in this cult, what is the best way to open their eyes I realize that I can't open their eyes spiritually but how should I go about addressing the issue
1: well my 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 suggestion would be to get the person into some kind of a study we do a bible study or something uh, you're going to have to establish ultimate authority you can't Basically deal with people Unless they decide That there's some authority You can go to And that's the problem When you're having with cults If you can discuss uh, You're dealing with Jehovah And you agree that we're going to stick With the King James Version Of the Bible Or we're going to do With the New American Standard Or if they want something That they feel is More international New international version This is the authority And let's look at These doctrines And see what the Bible says Etc I don't think If you don't have an authority That you can appeal to that you can be very successful in dealing with people of this nature. Uh, and I think that's the problem that you have. You have to establish authority. We agree that this is the authority. We'll search the Word. Uh, this is what you teach. Let's see what the Word of God teaches in, in that respect. Uh, I think the only way to do that is to let the Word of God have its effect in the person's life. And while you're doing that, of course, you pray and ask the God and the Lord to open their eyes and let the Holy Spirit open their eyes to the truth. But you've got to connect them with the Word and to uh, show the distinction between what this group is teaching and what the Bible actually teaches.
0: Pastor, we have a WhatsApp message that has come in. Can you, why did Jesus preach to the spirits in prison in 1 Peter 3.19? And I'm going to read a couple of verses ahead of that. 1 Peter 3.17-19 through 19 says, For it is better, for it is better if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well doing, than for evil doing, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. In verse nineteen, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, there's there's more than one interpretation about that, but the general interpretation is that. After Christ died, um, and of course, um, they said that he went into Hades, and uh, there he presented to those creatures um, who had died before the cross, and just declared that the work has been done, have accomplished the redemptive work of Christ uh, for, for redemption of man. That is that is one of the teachings that is is held to that. So he declared to the spirits in prison the cross and his death on the cross uh to let them know that the work that was promised throughout the old testament has been accomplished and this would be the spirit of course that of redeemed believers who were waiting for the messiah to come and it's believed that that's why he went with the by the holy spirit and uh and went spirit and he actually uh the other thing is uh that is one particular teaching i i kind of incline to hold to that one that he would make a declaration that the work has been finished, you know because they mean they died not having seen the f- promise fulfilled, right. and then to go to make the announcement that the work has been finished has been complete, um, that is generally the teaching, and then it's also thought in the book of uh, Ephesians that he led captive to be captive, that then after announcing the redemption of them, he took the spirits and took them from Hades, and that's why today absent for the body is Persistent. present with the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's where the, uh, that part of Hades was removed, basically, where, remember, Hades is made of two compartments, one, Abraham's bosom, and one where the, the wicked are, are tormented, and that's where it's believed that uh, though he led captive, captive, and now today the believer no longer goes to Hades, he goes directly to the Lord. The cross of Christ and the death of Christ has transformed everything and it's transformed even death itself so we don't have to fear going to a place called Hades any longer we're taken directly Paul said absent from the body is present with the Lord
0: Pastor we have a caller on the line Codrington thank you for calling and go ahead quickly with your question please
2: oh yes uh, I want to find out why most of the other churches and them is not taking the daily bread as Jesus remind them to say this Body, this is um, the wine is for my blood, and uh, the bread is for my body. And this will be a um, remembrance of me. And only one church I will call is doing it every uh, uh, so so. Want to know why the rest of the is not doing it? Uh, I,
1: I think that I think COVID has affected a lot of this whole thing uh, because of the. Handling of the bread and stuff like that. People are a little bit concerned about that. You can understand that as well. So I think I don't think there's only one church. I know that one of the other Baptist churches just we started, and I don't know how many of them have uh, have stopped completely. But I think the, the the during this interim period, because of the concern, the health concerns, um, you know, even when you're praying over the 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 um, with the wafer, you know the. the I don't want to. I don't want to spit or whatever it is. Quite frankly, but the, the whole the whole fear of the virus and the way it's transferred uh, um, has created some problems along that line. We pretty much need to uh, ourselves. I must say we need to restart again. But that was the main reason why people stopped f- at this point in time, out of concern of health concerns. Remember that uh, in scripture, it doesn't tell you how frequently you must observe the Lord's Supper. It's just said that, you know, when you do it, you must do it in a certain reverential way. Some people do it every week. Some people do it every once a month. Uh, others do it, uh, the disciples did it every day in the book of Acts. And I don't have any church today that does it every single day. Uh, so, But that's the main reason, Mr. Codrington, and uh, it is out of concern for this, this virus thing and, and uh, people being very, very hygienic about these matters. That was the main concern.
0: Thank you very much for your call, Codrington. We appreciate it. We have about thirteen minutes left in this particular episode of That's Truth, and we are comparing the Unity Church's doctrines or teachings on different topics to that of Scripture and to that of true Christianity. Pastor, are uh, you ready to discuss the atonement?
1: Yeah, I think we could delve off, move off of that.
0: All right, Uh, we have talked about Scripture, we talked about God, we talked about the deity of Christ, we've talked about sin, now we're going to talk about the atonement and what they believe and how it compares to Scripture.
1: Well, we know the biblical doctrine of the atonement, quite frankly, is about Christ paying the ultimate price of his death for the cross, and by that atonement he satisfied God and make salvation available to people. We know that God's righteousness was offended, God's holiness was offended, and that that had to be appeased, and Christ's death on the cross, and paying the price, not to Satan, but paying the Christ to God because of the offence of God, that has now made uh, salvation available to us when we put our faith and trust in Christ. So the atonement has to do with the blood of Christ, shed blood, and that it is a a covering or satisfaction that meets all the demands of God so that God can now pardon us and uh, offer us free salvation. The uh, unity school of Christianity, if they're f- wrong on sin, they're wrong on Christ, uh, it's obviously going to be wrong on the atonement as well. Uh, they don't see any part where Christ shedding his blood has anything to do with atonement. Uh, let me quote one or two references directly from their mouth so that there's no misunderstanding of what they believe. Uh, here is what Unity teaches, uh, page 5, in one of the books. The atonement is the union of man with God, the Father, in Christ. Stated in terms of mind, we should say that the atonement is the one atonement or agreement or, or, or reconciliation of man's mind with the mind of God. To the super consciousness of the, of, of to the super consciousness of Christ of Christ's mind. what what that means? Quite <laughs> frankly, basically, uh, the atonement for them is that when your mind. Uh, you reach this higher consciousness of your mind, where you have this Christ consciousness, you will now mesh with the mind of God. So you are now, I uh, what called call, uh, the word atonement, they call it atonement. Do you, you, so you got now the meeting of minds, because you've reached this Christ consciousness mind, and that mind now meets with God consciousness mind, so that now that you've got the meeting of minds, it has nothing to do with sin, it has nothing to do with forgiveness and pardon, it has nothing to do with the shed blood of Christ. As far as they're concerned, it's just a mental uh, coming together of the mind of the person with God. Let me give you another quotation here. We have thought that we are to be saved by Jesus making personal petitions and sacrifices for us. But now we see that we are to be saved by using the creative principle that he developed in himself and that he is ever ready to cooperate with us in developing in ourselves by observing the laws as he observed them.
0: That is arrogant.
1: <laughs> it is, it is, it is uh, what we would call total apostasy. Again, notice the whole argument here is that it's not the sacrifice of Christ. But Christ was able to develop this creative principle in himself, so he reached this God-consciousness, this Christ-consciousness in himself. Now he's working with us to reach that same Christ-consciousness. So when we reach that level with him, we have now had what is called at with God. That's what the word atonement <laughs> <is> mean <laughs> means. So this is, this is a teaching that is, is uh, so ridiculous that it's not worth, um, if it wasn't, that it would damn people, it would not even be worth mentioning because this concept of atonement is bogus uh, as far as the Bible is concerned. It has nothing to do with Christ's death, nothing about sin, nothing about God's righteousness and God's holiness, nothing about appeasing God, nothing about the covering of sin and the forgiveness of sin. Um, It is just the idea of coming to a a, a conscious mind where you mesh with God, you become one with Him in His thinking. And of course, this coming one with God now is... This impersonal God So here's the confusion again you, you get the idea That you want to become One with God uh, And there's something Personal there But then You've got this confusion Of trying to merge These two concepts together And you end up really With gibberish To be very honest with you uh, Let me give you another quote Just to tell you How damning this is now uh, These theories Of the sin offering of Jesus as Are conceived uh, with the personal God I they. They carry out the pagan concept of a big God who becomes very angry with his disobedient children and can be mollified only with a human sacrifice. So as far as they're concerned, the biblical concept that is presented of Christ dying for our sins is a pagan concept. Uh, I mean, this is the very antithesis of what Christianity is, but yet they carry the Christian name. And uh, you know, it is incredible that they would borrow a Christian term and yet go so contrary to the Biblical doctrine on this matter. So, one other quotation here. A correct understanding uh, uh, by man of God as a supreme creative mind under laws that must be observed by both Creator and creation revealed how broken law may be mended by one who is willing to make certain sacrifices." Now all that is saying, quite frankly, right, that if we want to achieve this higher consciousness with God, we must be able to make certain sacrifices. And that, that's what Christ did. His sacrifice was not a bloody sacrifice, but He made sacrifices to come to this point of God consciousness. Now we must now come make sacrifices to become this kind of God. And what that would involve is such as meditation, yoga, Basically, that's the, the way uh, that you're going to come to this higher conscience. But you must sacrifice to do that because you've got to spend time meditating. You've got to spend time doing yoga. It requires time and effort. So they have made a mess uh, of this doctrine and this teaching. And there is no relationship between what the Bible teaches of atonement and what this particular school of Christianity teaches. How they get away with it. Is just beyond me. And I think the founders were deluded, and I think the followers are also deluded, because there's no human explanation that people can embrace this kind of teaching and still be willing to retain the word Christian as part of, of their, their movement.
0: Any closing thoughts you'd like to share on this movement?
1: All I would like to say is I hope that... Um, I don't know how widespread it is in Antigua. I don't know how sw- widespread it is in, in Barbados or the other Caribbean islands. I would like to say to any listener who has perhaps listened to it, I've seen it advertised myself here in Antigua on cable, and it's a very slick advertising, and uh, it seemed to be very, very appealing. It appeals to give you peace, uh, give you health. Uh, it, it, it's, it's just a very soothing... And I can see the attraction of that Of people who want to be uh, Who are under stress Or who just want to find something different Basically I can see people moving it But before you follow for the slick advertising uh, Get hold of the scripture And uh, find out what they're teaching Uh, Get one of their books Or get them to give you a doctrinal statement And compare their teaching With the biblical doctrine And you will find it so contrary to Scripture, it will not be palatable to you. But judge it, just judge what you're teaching by Scripture. That's the only way you'll find yourself out of this mess. and You avoid falling into falsehood and being misled, and eventually find yourself damned uh, in eternity.
0: I have a question that has been asked of me many times, and I know there are many people who have it. Pastor, if there is only one way to God, and I know you believe that because the Bible says it, then why in the world are there so many religions? Why did God allow so many religions? Well, look,
1: I would say this. Um, if I was a devil, I'd do the same thing. I would create massive confusion. And especially uh, knowing that my day is coming to an end, uh, I would be inclined to create even more confusion. And today I just took up a book I'm reading by um, Dr. Martin uh, that wrote the book on the kingdom of cults. He has another book about an inch and a half thick on New Age cults. These are not the cults he dealt with in the kingdom of cults. These are new, a different set of cults that have come out recently. And I was just going through the, the list of them and I found it incredible that there have been such a massive increase in these different cults. But I think that's what the devil is doing. He's confusing uh, the world. His time is short. And uh, again, why God allows it? Uh, Simply I think because Man is a moral being And man has to make choices And remember that Behind a lot of these movements are men Who the devil is using And who demons are using and and therefore, uh, God cannot treat us as robots. He cannot just intervene. He's given us his word. He's given the church the responsibility to give out his word. And uh, therefore, the responsibility falls upon believers to try to counteract these movements. One thing I was saying, Nathan, the error that we have made again and again in the church is that we are normally the last to reach people. When the cults get them first and get them into their false doctrine, it becomes exceedingly hard to bring into faith and trust in Christ. Hmm. So the cults are reaching them before we reach them. And our job is far more complicated now because we now have to go through a lot of uh, reprogramming, as it were, reindoctrination, And that's far more difficult than if we reached them first with the gospel. But I think that has been the failure of the church, that We have not been as aggressive evangelistically As the cults have been You check the Jehovah's Witness for example Almost every Saturday they're out And you'll find that mom and dad with Nami Have their child with them as well And they're going house to house And they're having Bible studies uh, you know, would you like me to have a Bible study? They'll call, come sometime during the week, and they have a Bible study. The church, quite frankly, has put a sign on the door telling people to come, but it's not been as aggressive with the cults, and that's why I think that the cults are doing so successfully. Uh, it's it's just the failure of the church as far as I'm concerned. Not not getting to the people first before the cults get them.
0: Do you think that in eternity the church will be held accountable for that?
1: Well, not only the church. Uh, when I say the church, I think individuals be held accountable. Uh, if we've been given a mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel and witness to every creature, that's our mandate. Uh, failure to do that, and then the cults, uh, they take on that responsibility. I don't know how the way we escape being held uh, for, for that before God uh, That is part of the judgment seat of Christ where we give an account. I have said this sometimes, Nathan, there are people who are saved in the church 20, 30 years. They haven't gotten one person saved. If Uh it required one person to get get into heaven, to get into heaven by bringing one person, they wouldn't get there. Hmm. And that's a tragedy. Because sheep are supposed to reproduce. So I've had an animal that's 20 years. I've been trying, trying. He hasn't produced one thing. I'll slaughter him first and eat him. But let him continue like that. And I think it's a shame that there's so many people who for so many years, but they cannot say, I've led this person to the Lord. It's a disappointment. It's a disgrace. it's a great offense
0: to God. Thank you for listening to That's Truth. And be sure you join us again next week for another live episode. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's Truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7:30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.